Well, good morning, Gospel Community Church. Good to see you this morning. I don't know if you uh, recognize it when you come in on Sunday morning, but there are a ton of children in this church. And we believe here that children are a gift from God. And so um, there are people that are meeting with your children this morning, and they are teaching them about the Bible and about God's love. So I think it would be very appropriate. This, God just put this on my heart a little bit ago as I was watching the kids. It would be very appropriate for us to take a moment and, and pray that God will, will reveal himself to the children, that their eyes will be open to the love of God. And so uh, if you could bow your heads with me, I'm going to just pray out for the kids, and then we'll move on. Lord, thank you for children. Thank you for the gift that they are, and we live in, an in a society that has lost that. So, Lord, I pray that you would, this morning, as they hear your word, and your word says that it will never come back null and void, but, Lord, would you grip their hearts? Would there, you grip their hearts with a sense of your love for them? May they start to understand that, Lord, that they could... They could accept you as Savior one day. I know as a parent, that was my, my biggest fear and my biggest burden that I carried. So, Lord, I just pray that you would move in hearts. Help us as parents, as grandparents, as friends, as people that, as we just know and learn about these kids, Lord, help us to demonstrate your love. And, uh, again, I just pray that you would move on them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for doing that with me. Uh, so you should have sat down. There should be a connection card by you. If you could please fill that out, we would love to know that you were here. There's a spot for prayer requests and answered prayer. That would be good as well. If you came prepared to give, there's a black box out the uh, auditorium here and over to the right. You can put your gift in there, or you could do so on mygospelcc.org. There's a place that you can give. Uh, coming up on Wednesday is a park days for moms or for ladies and children. Uh, and this week is gonna be at Riverbend in Middlebury from 10 to one. So ladies, um, love to have you out there. It's been a good time for ladies and children just to spend some time getting to know each other and letting your kids play outside, great time. Uh, the Cedar Point trip that was planned has been moved. And uh, the new date is August 2nd. So if you'd like to register for that, and we'd love to have you, the age bracket is 6th to 12th grade. So i uh, love to have you uh, go for that. You could probably watch Pastor Ben ride a roller coaster and scream his head off. That would probably be good, which is better than me because I probably wouldn't ride it. Um, and then, uh, so date change for that, August 2nd. And then tonight, we're having a churchwide cookout. And we've asked for everybody to sign up in the past just to kind of get some numbers of where we're at. But it is open to all. So today from 4 to 7, there's a tent set up outside. We're going to have all the food provided. All you need to do is bring a lawn chair, unless you don't want to sit down, and bring a yard game or something like that to do, frisbee, whatever you like to do out in the yard. So love to have you. Hope you can make it. Uh, grab your Bibles as Bren opens the word. Well, good morning, church. We're in Acts chapter 5, so turn your Bibles there. 
if, if you've been to multiple churches in your lifetime, you know that there are many different ways to do church, right? Many different kind of models, many different things that people do and call it church. And if I'm honest, there are several ways that people do things that really kind of bother me as a pastor as I see what people do and what they do to call it church. And one of those things, one of those types of churches that I kind of really have a hard time with is called the attractional church. You ever heard that term, the attractional church? What I mean by that is they'll go through extravagant measures in order to get people to come through their doors on a Sunday morning. And they'll promote, uh, they would have the inflatables on Sunday mornings to get people there. They'd have these big parties. I've heard of churches that bring in these big, huge, like, uh, you know, mechanical dinosaurs They'll have movie themes, hallways, movie themes, sermons. And if I'm just honest, that's, that's not the way that I, I want to do church. Like I have a real problem with that because often those churches may be short, may be slow to preach the message of repentance. Like the reality is we are all separated from Christ and, and the gospel is offensive. Can we all understand that? Like the gospel says, meets us head on, hey, you fall short of God's glory and therefore a perfect man had to die because of it. Like the gospel is offensive. However, we also understand that when the church is doing what the church should do, there is an attraction to people who are seeking after truth. Is there not? Now certainly we as elders understand that we are not nailing it 100% as a church. We are not doing everything that we could be doing. I mean, we're striving with our energy to please the Lord. We're not perfect. But the, the reality is, is we're not looking to attract people to the church. We're looking to attract people to who Jesus is, to show them who he is, to proclaim with our words who he is, to live our lives in such a way that says Jesus is amazing. And we, he is worthy for us to give our lives to. So in that sense, we are an attractional church, or Lord willing, we will be an attractional church. And what we see here in Acts chapter 5 is such a church that is having a major impact on their community. And so let's jump in here. Acts 5, I'm going to start reading in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Let's pray. God, thank you for the time this morning to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, the thing that should be of most importance to us, Lord. We were born in this world separated from you, but because of the gospel of Jesus, you have made a way through faith and repentance, to be made right with you. Lord, thank you for that reminder. Thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. And God, I thank you for your word that you give us, that you have not left us on our own wondering what to believe, what to think, and especially in light of the craziness that is the world. 
you've not left us on our own. And so, Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, number one, you'd give us the gift of illumination, that our eyes would see what the scriptures say and that you would penetrate our hearts in the areas that we need penetrated. Lord, that we would all walk out of this room here having drawn near to you. And so, God, open our eyes to see your word. I pray for faithfulness, Lord, that you would remind me of everything that I need to say and keep me from saying that which would trip people up, Lord. So, God, thank you for your word. Be present with us, Lord. Pour out your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, last week, we saw for the first time in Acts that there was opposition inside the church. Up to that point, all of the opposition had come from outside the church. But of course, Ananias and Sapphira came and had to mess it all up. And we found that they had said that they had sold a property for a certain amount of money and then gave it all to the apostles. But in actuality, they held a portion back for themselves. Now, the sin, the problem was not that they kept some money back, the problem is that they deceived the apostles by saying, no, this is what we sold it for and we're giving it all to the church. They feared what people thought of them more than they feared what God thought of them. And so they were dishonest. And because of their sin, they dropped dead at Peter's feet and were carried off. God cares deeply for his church and for her purity. It matters to God how we live our lives and we should all regularly take inventory of, am I allowing sin to reign in my body or am I living for the Lord cleanly as the best as I can? But this didn't stop the church. Didn't keep the church from growing. It didn't cause a separation. Didn't cause people to kind of go their own ways despite what happened. That certainly, if you think of what happened, could cause a lot of people to say, I'm out. I'm done with this. But no, the church continued to flourish despite what had taken place with Ananias and Sapphira. And this morning I want to talk about the attractional church. I want to talk about three observations that we can take away that speak to the fact that we are called in a sense to be an attractional church. It's just far different than the way many people describe that. And so here's the first observation that that we see here. Gospel-centered churches make a positive impact on their community. Gospel-centered churches make a positive impact on their communities. In chapter 4, verse 30, a couple weeks ago we saw that the Christians prayed that God would stretch out his hand to heal and to perform signs and wonders. And here... In chapter 5, verse 12, we see that many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people. That prayer is being answered. In fact, it says that they're being done regularly by the apostles. This was something that was happening on a regular basis. Over and over again, the apostles were performing these signs and these wonders. And as we see, healing as well. And the word got out quickly. People were flocking to the apostles from all around Jerusalem and even outside Jerusalem looking to see what it was for, what was going on with their own eyes and all the healing that was taking place. Look at verse 15. It was so amazing what was going on that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats 
that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So picture Peter walking through the streets and all of these sick people are lined up on the sides and more and more are being brought out as, as Peter walks by. And people are just reaching out their hands as they can't even walk and trying to just to get their hand in the shadow of Peter that even by that they may be healed. Now we don't actually know if that brought healing. It just says that they were doing that thinking, man, if I even just, just get into his shadow. Like we don't know for sure if people were actually he- healed from that. But certainly there were stories going around. There were people who were hang, like they were stuck hanging out to themselves because they were unclean. And so they couldn't be hanging around the, the healthy people. And so they're by themselves. And all of a sudden they realize, where, where, did, where did so-and-so go? Where did John? What happened to John? Oh, oh you didn't hear? Like he, he met with the apostles and Peter healed them. Like these stories that are going on. And they are desperate trying to get into at least the shadow So we're not sure exactly how all this played out, but regardless, the sick were being healed and miracles were taking place. And we saw this earlier in the book of Acts, didn't we? We, These same kind of things were happening earlier. And we talked briefly about whether or not praying for healing and miracles was appropriate for us. Does the gift of healing exist today? Can believers partake in performing miracles in our midst How would you answer that question? Well, let's first make some observations before we come to any major conclusions on whether or not healings are for today. Miracles happen today. Does the gift of healing still happen? First of all, notice who is doing the healing. It's not every believer is doing the healing. Who is it it mainly, who is performing these miracles? We see in verse 12 at the end, it was happening at the hands of the apostles. So as you recall, there were 12 apostles. So this wasn't like a widespread thing where Christians all over the place were performing these miracles. These were mainly by the leaders of the church, these 12 apostles. At this time, we also need to ask ourselves, why were they performing miracles? What was the point of them doing? Were they just trying to make life easier for people? Were they... Simply just trying to bring people to the ultimate hope, which is having health here on earth. And let me just say, if, if that's what we are living for, we're setting ourselves up for major disappointment, aren't we? <laughs> the death rate is still one per person. <laughs> Everyone is going to die. And so if our ultimate hope is health, well, we're all going to be disappointed because we're all gonna, we all are facing our mortality. Day by day, we're here, we hear of stories of people who are dying. Ultimately, healing is not our hope. So what is the point of the healing? What was the purpose behind these? The reason was not to take away a trial, as we said. It wasn't to bring comfort and ease to this life. It was to authenticate the message of the Christians about Jesus, and ultimately we see who was the one who was ultimately performing the miracles. It was happening through the hand of Jesus. So the reason for the miracles was to authenticate the message that they were bringing about Jesus. Hey, they were setting them up for them to, to have ears to hear. Hey, look, this is happening because we want you to know Jesus. He is your only hope. This is temporary healing, but Jesus can bring permanent healing. 
to where death may come, but he is going to wipe away every tear, and he's going to restore your health. Jesus is the one that you have your eyes, need to have your eyes turned to. It was an authentication of the message. The apostles were not sent on their own accord. They were delivering the message of God. And they were performing these miracles along the way. Also, I want you to consider this. When you think about, are they for today? Well, first of all, this was the beginning of the church era. The church is being formed right before our eyes here in the book of Acts. And life as they understood it had changed dramatically in just a matter of a few weeks. I mean, you remember Jesus pops on the scene. It really wasn't until his thir- like he was around 30 years old where he really started to perform these miracles and these healings. And they're watching this man and they're amazed because they're seeing things that they had never seen before. They're seeing this guy who, yes, he calls out sin, but he's doing it in a gracious way. He's also offering forgiveness. He isn't just beating people over the head with the Bible, with Scripture. He's actually coming alongside them, calling out their sin, calling them to repentance in a way, much different way than the religious leaders of their time. And people were amazed when Jesus walked the earth. But then they are thrown off guard because this man who seems so holy, who were like, is he really God? was crucified and hung on a cross. Now, if you recall Old Testament, to be hung on a cross was to be cursed. And so there was questions going around of how could, be, how could a holy man be cursed by being hung on a tree? Like that's not the way somebody who is holy and righteous, that, God can't possibly die at the hands of man. How could, how could such a person be holy and die this way? And so there was so much confusion. And certainly all the rumors that were flying around when they had heard that Jesus had actually rose from the grave. He actually defeated death. And if actually it was his death that actually made him more God because death couldn't hold him in the grave. But then the rumor mill was, filling, was spinning too. Do you remember the religious leaders, what they were t- wanted to tell the people that was happening? They were saying that the apostles had stolen Jesus' body from the tomb and that they were making up all these lies and they shouldn't believe it. And so there was lots of confusion swirling around this early church to where who knew what to believe. They didn't have the completed scriptures as we do. I mean, here we are 2,000 years after Jesus walked this earth, and we have the completed scriptures in our hand. We can read of these things, and this book has stood the test of time for a 1,000 plus years. They didn't have that back then. They had the writings of Moses, and that was about it. And so you can imagine... The confusion and is this real? Did Jesus really rise from the grave? Are these miracles being performed? Like are they real or are these magicians? And so once again we come back to the, to the fact that especially in the early church there was a deep need for the authenticating the message that they were proclaiming. And so that, that really brings us back to today. The question still lingers. Do healings and miracles still happen today? Do we need those things to authenticate the message of Christ? And to this, there is much debate in the world, isn't there? Certainly, we could probably take a poll and we'd have differing opinions amongst ourselves. And in my opinion, as I look at scripture, I just haven't come to clarity to decide whether or not gifts are for today or whether they're completely abandoned. And so I would just say right up front, like I have a hope in hands. I'm, I'm cautious 
but I'm also don't want to put God in a box and say he couldn't perform miracles today. But, however, wherever you find yourselves on that spectrum, for those of us at Gospel Community Church, we can still fellowship together, united on whatever side we fall on, whether or not we believe miracles are for today or whether they are not. The truth is we do have the completed word of God. Nothing is to be added to what we have here in the Holy Bible. We have everything we need. We don't need to have extra things to be added to Scripture in order to authenticate the message. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit confirms. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. I personally have never experienced a miracle where somebody prays and right at right then and there somebody is healed. But you know what? I have seen prayer happen and then people healed in light of that. I also have heard countless stories of those who live in extreme Muslim territories where they have these dreams where they see Jesus, they meet Jesus in their dreams and then shortly after that someone proclaims Jesus to them in the, in the flesh and their eyes are open to the reality of who Jesus is that they, they never would have had that apart from these dreams that they had and encountering somebody who comes and brings the good news and then they repent and believe in Jesus. If you say that miracles don't believe, then what do you say about those stories? There's no short stories out there. There's no shortness of having those stories where you read them and you, you see them and it's hard to put those down. So do miracles exist today, I would say God can do whatever he wants to authenticate the message. I would just say if we are living and saying every declaration of the gospel must be encountered by a miracle, I would say we have a problem. But the reality is when we bring it all back to the forefront, gospel-centered churches make a positive impact on their community. Did not the apostles flip this society upside down? I mean, think about it. We can go to the hospital to get treated for things. Now, COVID was a weird year, wasn't it? Like, if you had COVID, did, did you not feel like a leper <laughs> in the scriptures where you're like, you got to stay away from the world? We, we had it as a family. It was the craziest thing because we're like stuck at home and we realized we can't go anywhere. We can't be interacting with people. Like, it was just like this weird thing where we kind of understand what it was like for people back then. I mean, if you had leprosy, you basically had no hope. You were going to die. It was just a matter of how painful, how long it was going to be. You were an outcast. People looked down on you. People judged you thinking you have leprosy because of your sin in your life. And yet here's these apostles coming, not afraid of those who are unclean in society, going, touching them, which was really outside what you were able to do, making yourself unclean, and they were healing people. They made a drastic impact on their community. Now imagine if they decided that, you know what, these people aren't really worth it and we're going to stay to our own selves. And we're just going to do our own thing and, and protect our own little communities. What that would have done. No. They were affected by what the gospel has done for them. And they took the good things that God has given to them and they shared it with those around them. So how exactly then can we impact our communities. So I'm going to put miracles aside. Now, I would say this as a side note, like maybe the Lord would have you encounter somebody who needs Jesus, who needs healing, and God may move in your spirit to pray, and they may heal, and God may use that. 
to do that. He very, mel- he very well may do that. And we should pray for our neighbors and for those who don't know Jesus. Ask him, can we pray for you? Can we pray for your healing? And ask God to do miraculous things to bring them to, to authenticate the message. But I think there are plenty of other things that we can do to make an impact in our community. Here's just a few thoughts I have about that. How about this? Genuinely love those who you come in contact with. Just genuinely love those who you come in contact with. Would you agree with this statement? We are in desperate need in America for people just to love one another. Just to care for one another. Just to be willing when we have different opinions of things. To be willing to have a conversation. To lean in. Now, I, I don't know about some of you who maybe are a little older than me, but like from my time in, my, in this world, I'm 43 years old, it seems like to me there has never been just the separation between people like there is today. It, it just seems to me like it is at its worst that I can remember of people who are just battling one another. Politically. On the racial lines and how we interpret those things. And we just want to, for so many people, we just want to win an argument. We just want to be, we want people to believe what we want to believe, what we believe. And if they don't, then we ostracize them and we cast them out. These are happening from both sides of the spectrum. And we want to point fingers at the others. And then because we're getting the finger pointed at us, we further push away to an extreme that we don't need to be pointing the finger the other direction. Like, we can just make a difference by loving people. By even when we disagree, it doesn't mean we shut up. It means we can have conversations that are different than the conversations that are happening in our world. Amen? We can make a difference in our community just by loving those and leaning in when we disagree. It's so foreign in our world. Here's another thing we can do. Meet the needs of those around you. How can we impact our community? By meeting the needs. Now this means that we got to get to the point where we understand our community and what they need. It'd be easy for us, like for tonight's picnic, it's mainly for us to grow our community. It would be easy for us to... Neighborhood across the street, let's say, hey, why don't you come on over to us, and we're going to make some hot dogs and hamburgers and have some inflatables. But does that really meet a need? No. We have to get to know them before we understand what their needs are. And if we aren't having conversations because they think differently than us or they're not on the same page theologically as us, then we're going we're gonna to cut ourselves short from being able to share the gospel with them. You know, we're, Brad, actually, we have challenged him to help kind of push forward in reaching our community. So we have some kind of outreach strategy. I don't know about you, but I am desperately burdened that our church is not just full of people who love Jesus already. But that we have people who we might consider messy. Who, make, who might cause some disruptions during the service. Who might cause some issues in the kids ministry. Like are you ready for that? If God would so bring people who are broken, who don't know how to parent their kids, who don't know how to have relationship with one another, who may burn us, who may come and take our resources and then take off? Like, are we willing to do that in order to open a door so that we can make a positive impact, whether they receive it or not? Look for needs and meet them. Here's another thing that would be super helpful. Mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. You know one suffering? You know anyone suffering? I encourage you, 
lean in, ask them if you can pray for them, and then pray. Pray if, even if they don't ask for an opportunity. Maybe you just need to be a shoulder to cry on. Maybe you just need to go there and give them a hug, and you're not saying a word, but you know what you're doing? You're just showing that, like, I care. I see you hurting, and I care. I don't know if I can help you. But it creates an opportunity for you. Maybe God would open up a door to, to share the gospel with them. And I leave you with this thought. If we were to pull out as a church from the community, would that have any kind of impact on us? If we were to close our doors today, would the community around us be impacted at all? My prayer is that we would become a church where if we did leave, we would be so missed because Jesus wouldn't be as clearly seen as he would with us thriving here. Or personally, if you were to move away, would you be missed by those around you? Would the community suffer with your absence? Gospel-centered churches make a positive impact on their communities. Here's the second observation we see. Some want what the church gives, but will ultimately reject Christ. Some want what the church gives, but will ultimately reject Christ. Look at verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So they were observing from afar. I'm sure some of these people were healed by an apostle. They experienced the miracles that they were performing. Their hearts, they, there was even a sense of amazement at what they were able to accomplish. And no doubt their lives were better off because of the work of those apostles, because of the church and what they were doing. They were better off for it. But they also were aware of how they were being treated by the government officials. And when it came down to giving their lives up for Christ, many opted to keep their distance. The call to lay down their life was too much for them to be willing to join. And there are also many today who look at the church, love what the church can give them. And we have received calls here, I've re received calls at other churches that I've served at looking for payment for rent, looking for help with other bills, money for groceries, medical expenses, food, all things that we as a church certainly want to help out with. But so many admire the church but don't want to give their lives to Christ. I was a youth pastor at a church and they had a food pantry and this was a church that was close to a lot of needs, um, just a lot of People would filter through there looking for handouts, looking for money. And we weren't at a place where we could just hand out money. We didn't keep money at the church for good reasons. Uh, we did help out occasionally with financial things. But we had this food pantry. And often we would, people would be coming to looking for things. And I'm like, well, we can give you some food from the food pantry. And I can't tell you how many times I got chewed out by people <laughs> who were like, I don't want that. Like, I, give me some money. I want some money. Don't you really know what I need? I don't need that. I need this. I need money. And we're like, sorry, we're not at a place to do it. And go stomping out the doors with that. I remember uh, a story of one of the guys I was in small group with who was at Wendy's. And a guy was looking for, for money for food. He's like, why don't you come inside? I'll, I'll buy you something. He was like, no, I don't want Wendy's. I want McDonald's. <laughs> and he fought him over this. And so the world wants the handouts from what the church can give. But 
you know what, ultimately, sometimes there comes a point where they, they want what, you, what the church has to offer, but ultimately, they're going to reject Christ. And we can respond in different ways to this. We can approach this in different things. We could just decide, fine, I'm not giving anything. If you're going to be ungrateful for it, look, well, you're probably going to go use it for drugs. You're going to go use it for your own things that don't even help you or your family. We could choose to do that. We could just complain about it in a sermon illustration <laughs> and speak negatively about people in need. Or we could just decide to keep meeting the needs the best way we can, no matter how people respond, because we know that God can turn the hearts of anyone to himself. Now, I'm not suggesting that the church should just be a doormat for people to come in and roll over, and we just have to give everything that people ask. However, when you think about Jesus and how he responded, who besides Jesus was worthy of praise? Who besides Jesus was worthy to be lifted up and worshipped? Worthy to become the king here on earth? Like who is more worthy than Jesus? Who is more worthy to call down a thousand angels and just wipe out all of creation? Because he is worthy and no one else is. And yet, what did Jesus do? Like a sheep led to slaughter, he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. Jesus didn't come for those who had it all together. Jesus came for those who were dead. Like you and me. We are called to proclaim the message. Imagine, imagine if the disciples approached things this way. Imagine if the disciples were like, you know what? We've performed these miracles and there's so many of you ungrateful people. We're out of here. Like we're looking for people who are going to appreciate us. We're looking for people who are going to like what we have to give and they're going to give us praise for it. Well, what, what do you gain from that? If all you do is serve those who are easy to serve. What do you gain from that? We gain a church full of hypocrites. A church full of Pharisees who, who are just looking to make life easier, making, want to live for themselves and surround themselves with people who are easy to deal with. But the reality is we are, Lord willing, going to spend resources towards people who need Christ. And people are going to stab us in the back for it. And we're going to go on loving them because we realize that how many times do we say we love Jesus and then live our lives in a different kind of manner? And yet Jesus forgives us. In light of Christ's forgiveness for us, how can we not forgive those who sin against us? Some want what the church gives, but will ultimately reject Christ. I think it's important that you free yourselves. We free ourselves from thinking that we are the Savior. We are not the Savior. Amen? <laughs> Take the pressure off yourself. We are not called to save people. The scriptures don't go say, go into all the world and get people saved. It says make disciples, but we're declaring the gospel. We plant and water, but who gives the growth? Jesus gives the growth, right? God is the one who gives the growth. He is the one that changes lives. We are just called to be faithful. We're not called to look for the people who we think are going to respond to the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Whoever's in our way, some will choose to reject. But here's the good news, and here's the last observation. 
some will see the love of Christ through the church and believe. Some will see the love of Christ through the church and believe. Not everyone will reject Christ. Look at verse 14. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Sure, there will be people who ultimately reject him, but despite everything they witnessed, their hearts will still be cold to Christ. People will still see miracles happen, and they'll still say, "Mm, no, not for me. And if we spend all of our time dwelling on how many times and how many people turn their back on him, despite all that we've done for them, we might miss seeing God turn around the lives of others. The scriptures say here, multitudes of people came to Christ. People witnessed the work of the apostles. They saw Jesus being lived out in their lives. And they saw Jesus and many placed their faith in Christ and repented. Oh, the joy when we see people repent and turn to him. When their eyes are open to the beauty of who Christ is. As believers, we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And we want others to experience God in the same way. Amen? We want others to see and taste that he is good and realize that everything that this world has to offer just falls short. It may satisfy for a season, but ultimately it leave you in a place of dissatisfaction. But if we aren't faithful in proclaiming the message, then we're not giving people the opportunity to repent and believe. There are people in your sphere of influence, and you are the only Jesus they may ever meet. You are the only Christ that someone may ever meet. You ever thought about that? Not to put weight on ourselves, but the reality is, is God has called us to take the gospel to the end of the earth. That's not just the work of the apostles. It's not just the work of the pastors. It's the work of every believer. We're all called to participate in this. And as we've seen, when it comes point to give a testimony to the Lord, God will be faithful to give you the words. But are we willing to be his instruments? Are we willing to share? The apostles faced rejection. They faced persecution. Their lives were literally in danger, and yet they kept at it. Why? Because some will see the love of Christ through the church and believe. If we aren't careful, we can find ourselves in a place where we get comfortable with one another, and we find it easy just to keep to ourselves, to surround ourselves with easy people. Our attention can easily be turned to how we can protect ourselves from the rough people of the world that might make Sunday mornings a challenge. It might make our weekdays a challenge. They may consume your time because they have so many issues and they need so much counseling. And sometimes you feel like, are we going anywhere? And you just long to have a cup of coffee with somebody who has no issues. We can get to that place of longing for the idolatry of comfort and ease. And we allow people to die in their sin. Because it makes us feel uncomfortable. Now I say that from a place of 
convictions for my life, how often I live that way, how often I don't want to step into the mess of other people's lives. But the truth is, are we not all a mess? And if I can be honest, sometimes I'd rather deal with the mess of an unbeliever than the mess of a believer who just makes things completely challenging and hard and wants to pick a fight on every little thing. We're all a mess. I'm both of those things, too. It's not like I'm calling out those who, as if I'm not part of that. We're all a mess. And if we understand that, then it takes away this idea that I don't want to get involved in somebody else's mess. Well, what if Jesus treated us that way? I don't want to get involved in Ben's mess. He's a wreck. Oh, the way he treated his kids this week and the way he kind of was lazy at home and the way he kind of pushed his wife aside so that he could do his own thing. And yet, here I stand here forgiven. When we understand our sin before Christ and we allow his sin to humble us, that's the point of communion, by the way. It's one of those things. When we understand that, then we can look into the world that's broken and we're just amazed that God would forgive us. Apart from his grace, I would be no different than the messes that I see in the world. God calls us to take the message. We are called to take the gospel to the end of the earth. Nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. You're not going to get to the end of your life and face God and say, what did you do with your job? Did you make a lot of money? Did you provide well for your family? No. What did you do with my son? What are you living for? Are you living for the glory of Christ? In our endeavors, people will encounter people we encounter will reject Christ and it will be hard. We will lose resources investing in the lives of others and it will be painful. But ultimately some will come to Christ. It's not for us to decide who that is and isn't. We are just called to be faithful messengers. So here's three questions to leave you with. How can we as a church how can you individually make a positive impact in the name of Jesus in our community? How can you proclaim him? Not just with your words, yes, with your words. But how can you do it with, the, with your actions? How can you care for those around you? Or those around you even now that you think of that are in need? And maybe it's outside of your resources, but would grab some other believers and say, how can we love this family? How can we as a church and how can we as individuals make a positive impact in our community for Christ? Are we ready and willing to invest in unbelievers even if ultimately they reject Christ? Are we willing to step in and get maybe trampled over as Christ was trampled over in the hopes that people would see Jesus through that? And are we hopeful that God will through us call others to himself? May we be the church that displays Christ and we're attractive in that sense. That they see Jesus through us, that they see the love of Christ and through that they're able to see their own sin and repent and believe. That's what we're here for, right? Take the gospel to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You came and you stepped into our mess and rescued us from our mess so that we might be made right with you. Lord, would you give us great hope in you today. Great hope 
and confidence in you to even take the gospel to the end of the earth, to take the gospel across the street to that neighbor that we've been, that you've been working on our souls, that you've been placing them on our minds, and we're just struggling to have the courage to go and share. Lord, would you open up these doors this week, Lord? Would you challenge us to step outside of our comfort zone? Lord, that we would make a difference in our communities, not to, for recognition's sake, Lord. I, I, don't care, I don't care about the name of gospel community. I care about the name of Christ, the name of Jesus going forth and being lived out genuinely. That we not only share the gospel, but we share our very lives with those who need it. I pray, I pray for Brad and his endeavors that there would be a team of people who would be burdened to see our community reached with the gospel. Needs met, open doors to share you, Lord. Would you spurn people's hearts? Lord, we're all busy. We all have stuff to do. God, when it comes to the end of our time here on this earth, it's not going to matter how much money we made. It's not going to matter how successful we, we were in the world's eyes. What's going to matter is were we faithful to you? Did we hold fast to you? God, help us. And we thank you for the hope that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As a body of Christ, as Christians, every time we hear the word, there should be an action, right? It should, it should empower us, encourage us to do something. Uh, just as Jesus said in, uh, in Luke eleven thirty three, he said, No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And let's put our, our light on a stand this week. Let's go out and serve our community. And, and we have a few, um, I'm going to do things uh, as we continue just to uh, sort of a little different, just to give you uh, exact, a couple exact action steps that you can take away from this, that you can take away from the word to do this week. And so firstly, um, I want to challenge you, we want to challenge you to read 1 Corinthians 13. You know, in that scripture, it really talks about how you can grow in loving those around you. And going off of that, the second thing you can do is identify a need in your community and meet it. And that might be um, a, a need that you know in your neighborhood, a neighbor who has a need. Um, it may be a need in this community around us, but find a need, identify a need and meet it. And then thirdly, pray for and look for an opportunity to share the gospel with someone that you know needs Christ. Pray for someone that you know needs Christ and pray for an opportunity and be looking for that opportunity to, to share the gospel with them. And if you would, those, those three things are on the screen. They're behind me. Um, if you would, in your notes this morning, if you, you want to commit to one of those things, write it down in your notes so that you remember it this week. And that's, uh, as we're going we're gonna to worship here in just, in just a moment. But really, this is our form of worship, right? As we continue on with the service, this is our form of worship, to commit to God to do his work this week. So let's, uh, let's stand, and we're going to sing this song again together. Magnify the Lord. 